0: Well, guys, I um, want to basically uh, put a little disclaimer before we begin here on part four, because I'm going to switch gears to something that might seem a little bit odd and strange. Um, And so I want to make sure that you understand as you listen to this what I'm saying and what I'm not saying. Um, I'm going to show you some clips here of Donald Trump and some things that people have said about Donald Trump. Now, I am not a Donald Trump basher. That's not my goal here at all. As a matter of fact, I'm very appreciative of of a lot of the things that uh, Trump has done. However, um, I also see some of the things that people are saying about Trump that I would strongly disagree with. And um, I'm gonna show you some of those clips, but hear me now. (laughs) I am not saying that Donald Trump is the Antichrist. Let me say that again. I am not saying Donald Trump is the Antichrist. What I am saying is this, is that I think that the Antichrist is going to look something very much like Donald Trump. I am saying the possibility is there. I don't know. I just know what Scripture says about the Antichrist and that we're going to see that there are some of the same characteristics, For example, uh, in Thessalonians, we see that the Antichrist is going to speak boastfully, or Daniel talks about that. And we see that I have met very few men that are like Donald Trump that speak as boastfully as he does. We also know that Trump, or not Trump, but the Antichrist, is going to be well-liked, it seems to me, by a lot of people uh, The second three and a half years but the first three and a half years of the tribulation period it seems that the the Jews are gonna like him because he's going to make a covenant with those Jews and if he makes a covenant with them then um, they're going to like him that means probably if the Jews are gonna like him that he's making covenants with them that Christians are gonna like him at least at the beginning but in the midst of that seven we see that he is going to break this covenant that he makes with god's people and i would think then that that was going to make christians jews not like him let me tell you right now uh, those of you who are listening who went to israel with us you will understand that the jews over in israel love trump some of them think he is one of the trump's of god and we're even seeing that many of the orthodox jews are calling him a anointed one which is literally the messiah the christ and part of that is the gematria which i'll explain but bottom line is is that this is what the antichrist is going to look like but my biggest point isn't to say oh you better keep an eye on whether or not donald trump's the antichrist or not my biggest point is this is you're going to see that we cannot be putting our trust in man in human beings that will not work the Bible says there are going to be many false prophets that come out and I'm going to show you a clip here by a name uh, by a guy named Mark Taylor and a friend of mine had said that his pastor had really been uh, pushing this guy because in 2011 he made a prophecy that Trump was going to be president and I'm going to let you hear right from his mouth what his prophecy is but My point is this, is I want you to watch for a few things as you listen to this. I want you to listen for Christ being elevated. I want you to listen for something that maybe it leads the church to repentance, that it leads the church closer to God, something that I would think God would want us to know. The other thing is I want you to see where is it causing us to to run to, to put our trust in. And as you think about those things, um, as you listen to this, I think I'll, I'll pick up and I'll talk more about it after you watch this. But think about that. The other thing I want you to also notice and remember is this. Deuteronomy 13 gives us a challenge. And Deuteronomy 13 tells us how we can know if a prophet is of God or not. One is if the thing comes true or not. Well, but that's only part of it. And I see that because what this guy has said, it does come true, that a lot of people are grabbing onto him and saying, this is of God because he made a prediction and the prediction came true. But Deuteronomy 13 also says this, if what that prophet or dreamer has foretold comes true, that it happens. And he says, let us follow other gods, gods that you have not known you must not listen to the words of that prophet or dreamer because the Lord your God is testing you to find out whether you love him with your whole heart, mind, and soul. In other words, that's telling me that there are going to be some prophets who are going to come and they will be right. And if we follow everybody that comes along that gets things right at times, that is going to cause us to fall short because it also must... Not cause us to worship or put our trust in anything else other than God, and it's not just this prophecy that I'm seeing this coming from; it's others as well. But we'll talk about that in a moment. For now, uh, why don't you just go ahead and watch this this clip here?
1: New listeners, what God gave you in 2011?
2: Sure, uh, in. It was actually April 28th, 2011. Uh, I was watching Donald Trump uh, on the news. I don't even know who was interviewing him. It, was, it, was, it might have been Fox. It could have been somebody else. I don't know. But as I was sitting there listening to him, all of a sudden I heard the Lord speak. And he says, you're listening to the voice of a president. So I walked into my office, versus where I'm at right now doing this interview. And I sat down and I wrote down what God was telling me about Donald Trump being the next president. It's titled Commander-in-Chief, and I had written another prophecy a few months after that called The Great Horse, because God told me there was another Triple Crown winner coming. And I thought this was all supposed to be in 2012. Now, anybody in the prophetic will tell you the hardest thing is timing, and God can not change his mind. So I thought all this was supposed to go down in 2012. I also wrote a D-Day speech for the church. God says, go back and write Dwight D. out, General Eisenhower's D-Day speech, but he says, I want you to address it to my army. Now, this is all significant. So I thought this was in 2012, this was supposed to happen in 2012. But 2012 came and went, the Triple Crown didn't come, the prophecy didn't come to pass, so I set them aside. I thought I had missed it, truly missed it. So fast forward to 2015, Donald Trump announces he's possibly coming into the race. Well, I'm watching the Triple Crown races because I knew there was one coming, but I just I knew I'd missed the timing on it. So 2015, the Triple Crown win comes. I pull out the prophecy and I'm talking on the phone with my sister and she says, wait a minute, what day is today? I said, oh, it's D-Day. So I pulled the D-Day speech out because the Lord didn't tell me when to release it. And I heard the Lord say, release the speech. 10 days later, Donald Trump announces he's running for president. So then I pulled the Trump prophecy out. All this stuff came together within a 10 day period. And I was like, Lord, did I miss this? I thought this was supposed to happen in 2012. And I thought I had generally missed the prophecy. He said, Mark, He said, every bit of this was supposed to go down in 2012. He said, but my people were not ready yet. I held it off because the people needed to rise up with a righteous anger and say, enough is enough, which is what we're seeing happening right now. But the Donald Trump prophecy, uh, I mean, I can read the prophecy if you like. That's up to you.
3: Yes, please. I was just going to ask you if you would please read it. Yes.
2: Okay. All right. Uh, I titled the prophecy Commander-in-Chief. It says, the spirit of God says, I have chosen this man, Donald Trump, for such a time as this. For as Benjamin Netanyahu is to Israel, so shall this man be to the United States of America. For I will use this man to bring honor, respect, and restoration to America. America will be respected once again as the most powerful and prosperous nation on earth other than Israel. The dollar will be the strongest it has ever been in the history of the United States and will once again be the currency by which all others are judged. The Spirit of God says the enemy will quake and shake and fear this man I have anointed. They will even quake and shake when he announces he is running for president. It will be like the shot heard across the world. The enemy will say, what shall we do now? This man knows all our tricks and schemes. We have been robbing America for decades. What shall we do to stop this? The Spirit says, ha, no one shall stop this that I have started. For the enemy has stolen from America for decades and it stops now. For I will use this man to reap the harvest that the United States has sown for and plunder from the enemy what he has stolen and return it sevenfold back to the United States. The enemy will say, Israel, Israel, what about Israel? The Spirit says, yes, America will once again stand hand in hand with Israel and the two shall be as one. For the ties between Israel and America will be stronger than ever, and Israel will flourish like never before. The Spirit of God says, I will protect America and Israel, for this next president will be a man of his word. When he speaks, the world will listen and know that there is something greater in him than all the others before him. This man's word is his bond, and the world and America will know this, and the enemy will fear this, for this man will be fearless. When the financial harvest begins, those shall it parallel and spiritual for America. Spirit of God says in this next election they will spend billions to keep this president in. It will be like flushing their money down the toilet. Let them waste their money, for it comes from as being used by evil forces at work, but they will not succeed. For this next election will be a clean sweep for the man I have chosen. They will say things about this man, the enemy, but it will not affect him. And they will say it rolls off at of him like the duck. For as the feathers of a duck protect it, so shall my feathers protect this next president. Even mainstream news media will be captivated by this man and the abilities that I have gifted him with. And they will even begin to agree with him, says the Spirit of God.
1: Wow. You know, this is from 2011, and it reads like a present-day newspaper mark. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I I, I take, you know, and one thing I want to say to the listeners, I I take...
0: I don't know if you're picking up on the things that I'm picking up as I watch this, and, and you're welcome to disagree with me if you want. But what I'm seeing is that this is a very worldly dream. You know, that the dollar is going to be stronger, that the United States is going to prosper. As a matter of fact, at one point he even says, when the financial harvest begins. That sounds like a prosperity gospel, the the, the prosperity gospel that has plagued the church and the country today, that somehow that we deserve to be rich because we're Christians. Well, guys, that is not the message of Scripture, not at all. As a matter of fact, the most godly person that I've ever seen, ever known was very poor. His name was Jesus, Yeshua. As a matter of fact, even all of his followers, all of those disciples, none of them were rich. They, they gave up everything. Now again, I'm not saying that Christians can't be rich, that they can't have money. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this, that's not the goal that we should have. That's not where our hope is found and certainly not every christian is going to be rich because they're blessed by god with finances that's not god's mo of scripture as well now he says that donald trump is going to bring bring respect and honor to this country well that might be but there's different kinds of respect is it godly respect are people going to look up to him or is god going to be glorified because of trump leading us in the word of God, in lifting up Jesus Christ as Savior? Well, I would love to see that, but I'm not seeing that's the direction that this is going. And also, why would God care about the Triple Crown? You know, this to me seems more of something that the devil would do, that listen, I'm going to make this horse go down. I'm going to make, you know, because he can do that. The devil can get involved in things of this world. And he can make things happen that he will predict will happen so that he has a prophet that is right sometimes and people will follow him. So... I'm a little concerned about this because as I see what Scripture is telling me, the next thing that's going to happen is we're going to see a pale horse, and that'll be part five. But in part five, you're going to see that one quarter of the world's population is going to be killed. A quarter. That does not sound like a wealth, health, and prosperity thing to me. That sounds like uh, trouble. Now, the other thing here is... um, The message is the exact same message that we see going on with um, Hananiah the prophet in Jeremiah 27 and 28. And I am going to show you, uh, I'm going to show you a couple more clips of Donald Trump, but then I'm going to take you to Jeremiah 27 and 28, because I think that that's exactly what we're seeing going on right here, right now. And so, um, like I said, you're welcome to disagree, but... I'm going to bring this to the scriptures here shortly in Jeremiah, and I think that maybe there's a pattern that we're seeing. Something that's going on in America was going on in Israel back then. So right now I want to continue, and I just want you to listen to a couple other things that uh, he says here in this interview.
2: For me at that point, it did look like at some point, because you know, we were having to overcome the voter fraud. Yeah. Uh, you know, we were not only fighting the enemy, so to speak, we were fighting our own people because we had our own people in the church that couldn't discern that Donald Trump was, called, was, was anointed by God to be the next president.
0: So at this point, he's just kind of talking more about his understanding of the dream and so on. But bottom line is, did you catch what he was saying there? That the church did not have the discernment to understand that Trump was God's anointed Well, this is the very thing that these Jews are saying uh, with this gematria that Donald Trump's name uh, when you take the letters of his name they add, each uh, letter has a certain value in numbers you add them up and it equals the same thing as the Lord's anointed. And so some of the Orthodox Jews there are headlines saying this very thing that Donald Trump is God's anointed. And so... This doesn't sound right to me. This doesn't look like uh, an anointed person of God, someone who is following him, obeying him. Uh, Let me ask you this. I'm going to just let you see Donald Trump's own words here just a few years back, and you tell me if this sounds like God's anointed.
1: So we've got people lined up for questions. i just got one more, because you used the word Christian. Have you ever asked God for forgiveness? that's a tough question i I don't think in terms of i have i'm I'm a religious person shockingly because people are so shocked when they find this out uh i'm protestant i'm presbyterian and i go to church and i love god and i love my church and norman vincent Peale, the great norman vincent Peale, was my pastor the power of positive thinking everybody's heard of norman vincent Peale. he was so great he would give a sermon you never wanted to leave Sometimes we have sermons, and every once in a while we think about leaving a little early, right, even though we're Christian. <laughs> Dr. Norman Vincent Frank would, would give a sermon. I'm telling you, I still remember his sermons. It was unbelievable. And what he would do is he'd bring real-life situations, modern-day situations, into the sermon. And you could listen to him all day long. When you left the church, you were disappointed that it was over. He was the greatest guy. and then. You know, he passed away, but he was a great... He wrote The Power of Positive Thinking, which is a great book. But have you ever asked God for forgiveness? (laughs) I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think if I I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. Now, when I take, you know, when we go in church and, and when I drink my little wine which is about the only wine i drink and have my little cracker i guess that's a form of asking for forgiveness and i do that as often as possible because i feel cleansed okay but uh, you know to me that's important i do that but in terms of officially I, sh- I see i could say absolutely and everybody i don't think in terms of that i i think in terms of let's go on and let's make it right so let's
0: well once again i i'm not saying that Donald Trump has not done some good things. I'm not a Donald Trump basher, but what I'm saying is, is those are the kinds of words that an antichrist would say. And I'm going to say this, that I am not going to put my trust in a human being. I'm not going to put my trust that that any man is going to be able to get us out of this mess. We have to have our eyes looking to the Lord Jesus. That is the only way we're going to do this, but what I think one of the dots that I've been talking about where these dots get connected is this. Those of you who watched that uh, movie, The Fall of Cabal, like I said, I didn't agree with everything in there, but the last two sessions of The Fall of Cabal really made it sound like Trump is on top of everything. Trump is this master chess player. Trump is the one that's going to expose all these evils. Trump is the one that is going to be the savior. Now again, I don't, I'm not saying that God can't use him to do some good things, to expose the evils. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I don't know. What I'm saying is, is this, that I'm seeing a pattern of many Christians out there who aren't having discernment enough to realize what is a godly thing and what is not a godly thing. And I think it's a little bit scary because that's what's going to happen. That's what we see the Bible saying. Remember I was saying you've got that seven-year period and that the Antichrist is going to make a deal with the, the Jews. And they are not going to have the discernment to realize that this is not a good thing. Well, you know what I find also interesting is it's been Donald Trump who made a deal with the Jews that he decided to move the embassy to Jerusalem in December uh, 6th of 2017. Now, that's one of the reasons the Jews love him so much. He made kind of a pact. He said, I'm going to move your the, the embassy to Jerusalem. Now, it was not built, it was not opened until... Uh, May 14th of 2018. But what that means is this, is I could see, I could see that, you know, three and a half years from one of those dates, if it was December, that puts you to basically, you know, June of 2021, that you are going to have three and a half years, that June of 2021, that Maybe that treaty is broken. He said, I made this treaty. Three and a half years from that point, he's going to break it and everything changes. That now all of a sudden the Christians and the Jews that love Donald Trump are going to hate him and the world might turn and love him. Now again, there's, there'd have to be so many things that would happen. Again, I'm not making a prediction. I'm not making a prophecy here. I'm not a prophet. I'm just saying these are the thoughts that go through my head as possibilities. Um... I just know that they love him right now that's what's going on and so we just have to have discernment and we just have to be careful that we don't fall into a trap by putting our trust and hope in a man rather than in Jesus I mean I'm going to show you one other real quick clip here look what else Donald Trump said does this sound like God's anointed
1: the people my people are so smart and you know what else they say about my people the polls they say I have the most loyal people did you ever see that where I could stand in the middle of 5th Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose any voters, okay? It's like incredible.
0: I mean, none of that sounds like an antichrist spirit at all, does it? I mean, the boastful speaking, people blindly following. Listen, again, I know I've said it, I'm not saying that he's the antichrist. That's not my goal here. My goal is to tell you though that this, he's not the savior. He's not where we put our trust and our hope. That fall a cabal thing that I just had talked about here. You know, if you have not seen that, I'm going to encourage you to go watch it. Now, make sure you get the full 10-part version. That's like two and a half or three hours, I think, because uh, part five YouTube has uh, put down. But bottom line is, As you watch that, again, I'm not saying that I agree with everything, but you're going to see how they make him the Savior. You're going to see that this is the kind of thing I see an Antichrist is going to have. Um, I would also encourage you, just go to YouTube or uh, Google and search Donald Trump Messiah. See the kind of things that you uh, have popping up. Search Donald Trump Antichrist. See what kind of things pop up and do your own research. Uh, one of the things I found fascinating was this, is I remember when I was in high school going to New York City and you go up to the Empire State Building or even on top of the World Trade Centers. and, And when you look down, you look down on Fifth Avenue and you see this huge skyscraper. And on the side of the skyscraper, there's this huge, huge number, 666. It's the address of the building, 666 Fifth Avenue. Well, the fascinating thing is, is guess who owns that? Well, Donald Trump purchased it and his son-in-law. And uh, there's talk about changing the address or something like that and how it's been a a cursed building uh, as far as real estate goes for for years and years and years. But it's just interesting that Trump's connection to that building. Now, again, these are all maybe those more conspiratorial type things. I'm not putting any weight necessarily in any of that. I just want you to go do your own research on that, and I think you'll find it very interesting. Um, But what bothers me is when I hear a guy saying that the church didn't have discernment to see that he was the Lord's anointed, and I see the type of, you know, character that Trump is, a good or bad politician, all of that aside, it makes me kind of go, ooh, something doesn't sound right. That sounds kind of like Jeremiah and Hananiah the prophet. And I'm going to put that here at the end this message of Jeremiah. But I want you to, in case you don't get to that, I want you to understand that in a nutshell, this is what was going on. Jeremiah is telling them, listen, the Babylonians are coming. They've taken some of your children. You're going to lose your freedom. You're going to lose your possessions. And Hananiah, another prophet of God, someone within the church comes and says, no, you're not. God is going to deliver us. there's going to be a message of prosperity and everything that your flesh desires, your kids to come back, you not to lose your possession, for you not to lose your freedom. That's what he preached. And the people grabbed on to it because it was a message of hope. Not hope, though, that lined up with God's Word. You see, God's Word said that if you go against... Uh, God, if you go against his word, he was going to destroy, he was going to let your country fall. And so what he had said was going to happen, what was going on? These people hadn't been following God, just like America had not been following God. And when America wasn't following God, what happens? Well, we're going to have a financial prosperity like we've never had before. God's going to bless us. No, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says if any nation rejects him, he is going to bring destruction upon it. And the message that I'm hearing from this Mark Taylor, the message that I'm hearing from this fall of Cabal, the message that I'm hearing from other areas out there is this, is no, we have hope in our stuff and in our freedom. It's all going to be okay. Well, that is the exact false message that Hananiah was giving in Jeremiah 27 and 28. And so, my hope is not that our country be saved. Our hope is that Jesus comes back. You know, I was reading the other day, and I I saw that it talked about the gathering of the nations. I maybe had mentioned this here last week uh, in our Hebrew study, but that we shouldn't be worried about this nation being saved as much as that God's people be saved. We should be worried that when God gathers the nations, he's going to gather us from all corners of the earth, that we are saved, we are protected, we are in a good hands of Yeshua. That's where my hope is at. And we should be praying, come Lord Jesus. Not, oh, I hope none of this happens, but please bring it on because this means rewards and blessings for the church. You know, I'm gonna show you one more time. I know that uh, many of you have seen this message of Pastor Dana Coverstone from Kentucky, this prophetic message. I want you to watch it again. And the reason I do is because I want you to compare his message to the message that you just heard with Mark Taylor and perhaps are hearing from other sources. Because he has people who are going against him saying, I just don't hear hope. I don't hear hope in his message. Well, I do. Maybe not the hope that, hey, your money, your bank account is going to be okay, but hope that when the church repents that we need to be seeking him, we need to go after him. I see a message that's driving people to the Lord, not to their bank account. To me, that's true hope. The other thing is, is as I said before, I think that I see a humble spirit somebody who's not worried about the triple crown, but someone who would be absolutely crazy to predict what he does on certain specific periods because in a couple of months, this guy would be labeled nuts if it doesn't happen. But I see a message that's lining up with God's word as well. I see a message that's pointing us to God to get into the word and into him, not a message that's pointing us to a man, a false savior. And so watch this message here once more.
3: Hey, this is Dana Coverstone. I'm a pastor. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a patriot. I love this country. And uh, I can confirm the first part of what I'm about to tell you because I told some men at a prayer group uh, back in December, second or third week of December, I want to share three specific dreams that I've had recently, uh, going back to December. Two that I've had this week, both both Monday and last night, Monday and Tuesday night. Because I believe, number one, they are prophetic. Uh, The first one that I had has come explicitly true based on the events of March through June, the month in which we're living. And uh, I do not claim to be a prophet by any means. I understand, though, that some dreams and visions by their nature have a prophetic tendency to them. But I do believe I've seen things, uh, both that have happened, as relevant by the first dream that I had, and some things that I've seen recently. So you can take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, you can pray about it, you can think about it, uh, but I believe that I have a warning uh, for the country, a warning for rural America, a rural, uh, a, a a warning for America overall. But here's what happened. Back in December, I woke up, I had a dream, and in that dream, I saw a calendar starting January 2020, and it was being flipped. And I saw January, I saw February, I saw March. And when March came up, the hand held it, and I saw a finger underline the month of March and then tap it three times. So underline the month of March, tapped it three times. So to me, it was emphasis. Something's going to happen in March. And then I saw April, May, June. And when June came, the hand underlined June again, and tapped it three times. Then in the vision, I saw people marching. I saw protests. I saw people wearing masks. I saw lines going into hospitals. I saw um, typical medical doctors with needles or, 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 or syringes. I saw people on ventilators. I saw people who were very, very sick, very, very ill. I saw newspaper headlines trumpeting thousands of people getting sick. I saw um, ambulances just flying down roads I, and then i saw I saw cities on fire. I saw buildings being burned. I saw protesters with masks. Uh, I saw people who were had their fists in the air, people who were yelling and screaming, angry as at just at the world. <clears throat> I saw courthouses I saw state houses surrounded. I saw people who were mad at the world uh, i saw I saw guns shotguns specifically put in the air held like this, and I saw barriers within cities. Um, I told several men in my church about this, and I can confirm who those men were, and they'll confirm that what I'm telling you is what I told them. I saw absolute chaos. And the other thing I saw was vultures flying over large cities, not just the ones that were burning, but I saw vultures flying over the cities and I saw smoke rising, and I saw I saw people fearful, I saw people terrified, I saw people inside their homes, and looking out the windows, the curtains of their windows, with guns in their hands, because there was absolute fear. Then I heard the words, brace yourself, brace yourself. So since December, I've been hearing those words, brace yourself, brace yourself, um, January, February came. didn't seem too much. I reminded the men of the dream. And then in March, boom, COVID-19 hit. And things started shutting down. Churches were shut down. Business was shut down. The economy shut down. Uh, then we began to see the protests starting in, Mar- in May in Minneapolis. And all those things began to go on. So where we are at the end of the primary election here in Kentucky. And now there's talk of more shutdowns. I just heard the governor uh, talk about schools opening back up and things of that nature. <coughs> But the things that I saw in a dream a vision back in December are the same things that I watched in the news almost every day since March through June. All this time I kept hearing, brace yourself, brace yourself. Um, I spend time in prayer. I spend time in the Word. I'm a pastor. And it's not just my job. It's something that I enjoy doing. I love doing. And I'm very interested in the news around the world. I read 40 newspapers a day from all around the world. I, I keep up with news. Uh, In other parts of the the nations, better sometimes than I hear here because it's hard to know who to trust. But I get news from all over the world, all around the world, from both liberal and conservative sources. Um, I'm very well read. I'm very understanding of how nations work. Uh, I've traveled quite a bit, and I'm not just making these things up. I can confirm what I have said. And with that in mind, on Monday night, I had another dream. And it woke me from my bed. I made notes about it. I shot some video of myself, just making sure I can remember. But here's what I saw. I saw a calendar. Start with the calendar. And as I was having this, the calendar was up. A white figure appeared, and it, 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 to me, it was it was a rep- representing God, the Holy Spirit, something pure, something righteous, something true, something holy. Because there was nothing. Um, Nothing sinister about it, nothing evil. But I heard the voice say, part two, part two. And I saw June go up. I saw July, I saw August, and then I saw September. And I saw the finger underneath the word September, and I, like emphasizing it, and tapped it three times. And then I saw October come up. And then I saw November. And this is when it got real to me in the dream. I think the intensity, uh, according to my Fitbit, when I woke up, my heart rate was about 180. So that was Monday night. It was also night that I woke up not feeling very well at all. I was up during the night, not feeling well. But anyway, the minute the finger underlined November three times, instead of tapping it, I saw a fist ball up and it hit the calendar and literally the calendar exploded into the wall the numbers seemed like they were 3D and they were falling they were just flying everywhere and there was a cloud of chaos that started and then the next thing i saw was i saw i saw armed protesters i saw fighting in the streets i saw people pummeling one another i saw businesses shuttered and shut up i saw i saw schools close I saw schoolrooms with cobwebs hanging in them, and like things like papers falling off the wall and posters like no one had been in them for months. I saw banks, bank buildings with the roofs being taken off, and it looked almost like alien abduction because money was just flying through the roof into some type of like a vacuum cleaner. I know that sounds kind of strange, but I was watching wealth just being taken. I saw politicians in back rooms. Uh, making deals with people, pat, you know, patting people on the back and, and laughing and smiling and smirking. And I saw monuments. I saw, I saw Washington, D.C. burning. I saw Washington, D.C. blazing. I saw fires everywhere. I saw people being rounded up. I saw Chinese and Russian soldiers on the ground. And Russian soldiers were telling the Chinese soldiers to go and pick up these people, round up these people, secure this quadrant, secure this area. I saw blue helmets of the U.N. I saw military things taking place. I also saw no sign of President Trump. I saw no sign of leadership in Washington, D.C. But the vultures that I had seen were now like gargoyles, and they were 10 feet off the ground, 10 to 15 feet off the ground. And they were just attacking people mercilessly. I saw people hiding in their homes and garages, I saw churches being burned. I saw homes being burned. I saw absolute chaos. And the fist punch on the November of 2020 is what got my attention. And then I heard the words again: "Brace yourself! Brace yourself! Brace yourself!" That has been something that I have heard for almost almost seven well seven months now. Starting once we get to July, it's going to be seven months. Um, and once again, I'm not claiming to be a prophet. I'm not claiming proclaim. You know, just we'll see what happens in November through November, and see if I'm right about this. But I know when I hear God's voice. I know I know how what God's voice sounds like to me. I know when He speaks, and I know when I have a dream that I know is Him. And the things that I was seeing, I don't say this to scare people, but I say this to warn people that there are some pretty sinister things coming down the pike, and not just for the lost, but for God's people as well. Uh, the second dream I had last night, and it woke me up. Uh, in this dream, uh, we just had a yard sale to help fund a, a team going to Ecuador this next year, and we had a yard sale. And I had asked our secretary to get us some change for that secretary for that for that yard sale. So in the dream that I'm having, I walk to the bank. I walk into the bank to get some change, and on the door it says, "There's no change available." I saw the sign, it registered in my mind, but I walked on in and the president of the local bank was at the teller station and she had she was gonna be taking care of business. And I said, I need to get ten dollars and quarters for a yard sale and she said, I'm sorry, but the US Mint is no longer making currency or making change like Pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters, half dollars. We're not doing that anymore. I was like, "Well, what do you mean?" She said, "They've stopped doing it." And I said, "Well, how are we going to be able to charge a dollar fifty for anything?" And she said, "Prepare for hyperinflation and just charge two dollars." And then she said to me in the dream, "Oh, and by the way, one dollar and five dollar bills will follow soon after that." And then I heard those words: "Brace yourself, brace yourself, brace yourself." And I woke up, I wrote these things down. Um, I've never gone on video and recorded the dreams that I've had. And I I hesitated to not do the one I had back in December. But everything I saw in that dream in December came true between March and June. when in the the dream I was showed March through June. And so I don't think I would be doing uh, anyone a service if I don't share what I saw in these dreams and visions. And I believe that we're going to see not just a second huge wave of COVID between September, October, November, but we're going to see major things with the elections. We're going to see major chaos in our country. We're going to see troops in our cities. We're going to see the protests get even worse. We're going to see buildings burn. We're going to see what could only lead to civil war in this country. And so for my friends that are believers, I'm I'm just going to share you what what I think you need to hear. First of all, you need to be preparing food. You need to make sure you've got alternative forms of currency like silver or gold or whatever. I believe you need to have an ample supply of both guns and ammunition. And that's not just the Second Amendment fan in me coming out. That is the things that we're seeing. Uh, They're talking about defunding the police. That means one thing. You're on your own in a lot of areas. Uh, I also believe you need to be praying like you never prayed before. Make sure your family knows what's going on, where you are. Have some some communication between your family about if certain things happen, if certain things go down. I'm not saying get off the grid, and I've never ever said anything like this in my church. Um, I have said I, I believe things that this could happen, but I've never done what I'm doing right now, and I'm telling you that between September and November of this coming year. And you'll be able to check me, you know, if, if, if by the time we get November, nothing's happened, or December 1st, man, you call, you call me on this and say, Dana Coverstone, you're an absolute idiot and a fool for saying those things. Go right ahead. But I realize I'm responsible for what I've spoken. But I also know what I sense. And I know the Holy Spirit's voice enough to know that what I've heard, I believe is going to happen. And what I heard in December happened between March and June. Not because I'm a prophet, but because dreams have a prophetic edge to them sometimes. I've been doing a whole series on dreams and visions. I'm going to finish that series up tonight on my uh, our church, and I'm going to talk about why dreams and visions are literally an extension of the spiritual gifts of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, because word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discernment, all those things are required for dreams. And I have pray, Lord, show me what these things mean that I have seen. Show me how to interpret them and what they are. Uh, and right now, as I speak this, it is, it is June 24th, Wednesday night at 5.30 p.m. in Berksville, Kentucky. I'm in my office at the church, Living Room Ministries in Berksville, Kentucky, sharing this. Not to scare you, because I believe, you know, look, God gave the prophets of the Old Testament a lot of warnings. Not to scare people, but to prepare them for what was coming. And so I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you. Don't just throw my word away. Don't just think I'm some some preacher trying to get people to come. That's not it either, because look, the Bible says in the last days will be a great falling away. Jesus tells people to endure to the end. Make sure you endure to the end. Why? Because people won't endure sound doctrine. They're gonna they're gonna hear something. You know, some are gonna hear me and go, "Oh man, he is on drugs or something." I'm just telling you the dreams I've had. You can do with them. You can interpret them the way that you want to. But I'm going to declare that I believe we're going to see between September and November incredible, terrible, awful, nasty, bad things happen in this nation. And for the people who are not prepared for it, it's not just going to catch them catch them in a bad place. It's going to destroy a lot of faith, a lot of hearts, a lot of relationships, a lot of people. It's going. To, it, the aim is to kill this nation. Because right now, we are a nation that stands in the way of a lot of the Antichrist principles like freedom liberty justice first amendment second amendment the antichrist doesn't want those things and yes i do believe the antichrist is alive and well on planet earth and i don't like i don't i don't really care what people think about this video you can call me whatever you want you can say whatever you want about me but wait till december 1st to say it and if i'm wrong i'll be the first one to come out and say folks i don't know what i was thinking i don't know what i ate that night I've never had two dreams like this. I've never had a part one, part two. Part one came fully true. And part two, I believe will as well. So, heed my words, folks. Believers, stop messing around if you're not living for the Lord like you need to. Because the press, there's an olive press moment coming for the church in this country. An olive press moment. And we're going to get crushed and squeezed and pushed down. That's why I believe God keeps saying, brace yourself. He's saying this to me so I can say it to you. Brace yourself for the things that are coming. Endure till the end, no matter how hard it gets. I'm not giving up the faith that I have in Christ. I've come too far on this walk and too far in my life to do that. But I want to make sure that others don't make that mistake and don't just walk away from it. Take up the cross, deny yourself, and follow him. Thanks for listening.
0: See, to me, I find hope in that message. Not hope of my freedoms and my my stuff, but hope that I can run to someone who does have the answer, one who will be fighting for me. That, yes, we will be put through a press. This is what Scripture says, but that there is one powerful, that he who is in this world is not as great as the one who is in me, Yeshua Jesus. And so I'm going to show you one more message that he put out July 10th. He did not put this out on Facebook like everything else or like this other one. He said he found some interesting consequences to, to uh, announcing that. But the bottom line is that somebody in his church had recorded this instead. And so I want you to hear this because bottom line is I believe that we need to be that watchman on the wall that Ezekiel talks about. And, uh, you know, maybe I'm crazy for sharing these things. But bottom line is, is, guys, I'm believing that God is telling me the same thing that this guy uh, has seen. I just don't have the dreams. I just have in my spirit what God's word is telling me, what I see these seals as they're unfolding. It seems like it's following this pattern. And if I warn you and you turn from your sins and you repent, then you know what? That's great. But if you don't, and I warn you, it's not my fault, the blood be on your head. And so we need to be that watchman. We need to be speaking truth. Again, I'm not a prophet either, and I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't know what even that means that in November, the fist hitting the calendar, is that the end of the world? I don't think so, probably not. But is it the beginning of some very hard times? I believe so. Maybe it is the beginning of these, the seals really starting to unfold and that red horse coming to completion. The white horse really rising up so that we will be able to identify. I don't know. All I know is that I'm going to be watchful, I'm going to warn, and I'm going to be in my word. And so watch his other message here.
4: Serious spiritual warfare. I had a dream Friday night. I had several dreams. I was on Facebook. And there are men in this room that I told that dream to that I had back in December. When I had the second one, a couple weeks ago, I told the guys that Tuesday night about it as well. The continuation of the dream. Friday night, July 10th, I had a dream that followed the pattern of dreams that I had in 2012. Listen to this. I want you to hear and fill my heart with it. I'm not trying to sensationalize this. I purposely decided to do it, say it this morning, both in my church and not do anything on Facebook with it. Well, I found that posting dreams on Facebook has uh, interesting consequences. I know it's the Lord. Friday night, July tenth, I had a dream that followed the pattern of the dreams I had with two thousand and twenty. I saw a calendar turned to the month of September, and I saw a hand reach up and pull the month of September off of the calendar. Then that month of September was just floating out in the air, and I saw it land and sit right in front of the altar in our secret place. I saw the horns that are on the altar in there. I saw the picture of the return of Jesus and the healing. The four cardinal documents of the I saw them on the wall, and I saw the cross behind them. So I knew I was in the secret place but the month of September on the floor. I was then instructed to stand on the month and pray for the church to have a strong backbone, for corruption to be exposed, and for a great harvest in the coming months. And so I walked, and I, I actually walked and stood on the calendar, which was underneath my feet, standing in the month of September 2020. After I prayed for several minutes, I was instructed to get help because I was not enough. So I began to speak in the air, begging believers to come and pray with me for the month of September, pray for the church to have a strong backbone, pray for corruption to be exposed, and pray for a great harvest. And suddenly, the the counter below my feet was getting bigger exponentially. If you've ever been to Europe, in some of the plazas and and, uh, courtyards of some cities, they have life-size chess pieces. It was like like the, the the, the calendar was getting that big, and I, I was on a life-size September calendar, if that makes sense. And I then saw that I was not alone. I was standing on, on Tuesday morning, September the 1st. After I woke up, the first thing I did was look at my phone to find out what day September the 1st was on to Tuesday. But I'm not the only one on the calendar. I'm standing on September 1st, and people on the 2nd, and 3rd, and 4th. Every one of those days is filled with people that are standing on the month of September and they're praying for the church. There were some praying in tongues. There were some praying out loud. There were some praying very quietly. There were some that were kneeling. There were some laying prostrate. Every model of prayer you can imagine. But these people were praying along with me. And then the cry went out again that more people were needed to pray. So everyone, including myself, began to say, We need help. Come and pray with us. Come and pray with us. And everyone on the, on the map at the calendar that was praying was praying asking people to come and to pray through the entire month of September. Every day, from the first to the last day, asking people to come and pray with us. Pray with us for the church, for corruption to be exposed, and for a great harvest. And more people began to show up on the calendar. And then I saw a hand, as if I was lifted up and I looked down, and I saw a hand our finger, and began to write the words a solemn in front of September. And the word assembly after September. So all spelled out it said a solemn September assembly. And a very, very clear call to pray during that month. The numbers of the people kept growing and growing and growing. And now I realize that the contours of the calendar are actually beginning to fit into the contours of the United States of America. So, as I'm standing on September the 1st. I'm up in the Washington and, and Oregon state area. So, just imagine the calendar is in, this, in is actually in the in the shape of the United States of America. So, I knew specifically this was for the American church and our country. The people kept growing, and they kept filling the gaps. They kept There was a lot of white space on this calendar. But i am seeing more and more people filling the first, the second, the third. I've got people side by side with me. There's hundreds of people on September 1st that were praying. Hundreds of people on September 2nd that were praying. But the more we prayed and the more aggressively we prayed, I saw storm clouds appear all over the country. And I saw fires that were outside of the contours. And I saw fires within the country. I saw both the fires of revival and I saw the fires of opposition because of how hard we were praying. And yet the clearing call kept going out, pray, church, pray. Pray, church, pray. Pray, church, pray. And I saw incredible warfare in the heavens. It was impacting those on the ground. It was weariness in the saints that were fighting in prayer. Believers were holding each other up. Standing together without any division, there was black and white men and women. Everybody was fighting together in prayer on their knees, or standing, or just yelling it out. There was no distinction and no division among the body of Christ in this dream. The heavens were alive with battle. The sounds of battle. I saw angels. I saw demons. I saw warfare. But I saw believers in battle. That was severe and intense and brutal. There were wounds and there was exhaustion. People would stand for a while and go to their knees and pray. to stand back up, but I saw the bruises on the arms and hands and the shoulders. I saw, I saw, I saw weariness in the battle. And The heavens were alive with the same type of battle going on. And in the dream, it seemed like it lasted for ever, finally the battle was over and my eyes were drawn, my eyes were drawn the very last days of September and I want you to understand one thing, this is not a date setting dream. When I looked at that count I saw people who were broken, who had been beaten down, they were wounded but they were standing and I saw the heavens open and I saw the Lord stand with His angels and he said very truly arise my bride arise my bride and prepare to pray arise my bride arise my bride and prepare for battle and then lastly arise my bride arise my bride and prepare to see my face. For I'm coming soon and my reward is with me. And then it was like the sound of a thousand shofars blowing all at once. And in the dream, I could feel the wind of it hit my face. And I woke up so peaceful. I woke up with just the peace of Christ in the heart of my spirit.
1: And what I sense
4: is that the Lord is calling the American church to pray during the month of September. He said, arise my bride, arise my bride, and prepare to pray. Not arise and pray, he said, arise and prepare to pray. In other words, we've got to pick up our prayer lines. I don't know what's coming in September. To I don't know one reading I head. but what I saw was intense spiritual warfare, unlike anything I had ever seen anything we've ever experienced as a nation before. I don't know what's coming, but I can tell you this, the battle he's preparing us for and calling us to pray for is going to be serious and difficult. And we should expect serious spiritual conflict today in that month. So the closer we get to the, to the, the September, the body of Christ needs to be getting ready to fight spiritually like never before. And I'm not declaring That October 1st, the rapture was going to happen. Nowhere did Jesus say, I'm coming. On this day, he just said, I'm coming. The same thing he said in Revelation. The same thing Paul said. The same thing the disciples said. The same thing the word of God tells us. Keith, if you could just come back to the keyboard for just a moment. We're going to have to learn to tarry again, church. We're going to have to learn to be on our knees and stay on our knees. Why? He's trying to warn the church that something is coming, something difficult is coming, something big is coming, and we're not ready for it. I can say we as a church are not ready for what's coming. But I can tell you this. There are thousands and thousands of people that have contacted me and said, your dream struck a nerve because I have felt the same way. I'm hearing about churches that are starting prayer meetings. I'm hearing about national things being started. Why? Because other people have the same sense, the feeling in their hearts, their minds, their spirits, that something is wrong, and that something big is coming. Linda, I've heard you say for several months now, something big is coming. You don't say it out of fear. You say it as a warning, and in your spirit, of the Lord is saying, something's coming. And when something is coming, you prepare. If the weather guy says, okay, folks, there's conditions right now on the ground that's possible for a tornado to be hitting
0: again i think i'm going to let that dream speak for itself and just compare that to mark taylor again and i'm just going to ask that you guys be in the word be praying be fasting uh be taking this seriously get together husbands wives get down on your knees pray together pray for your kids uh we need to be in prayer we need to to bring those holy angels in to be guarding and protecting and leading and guiding and um, just the fasting, I think, you know, like I said, you guys know that we're our family's fasting on Wednesdays and, and I think that corporately when we do that, there is power in that. We saw that in the book of Esther as well. And so just to encourage you to do that. Uh, The last thing I'm going to leave you with, and and that's just a message that I did uh, some time ago here in Iowa, going through Jeremiah 27 and 28, to just get a little better picture of that. Um, Maybe you don't have time to to watch it, uh, that's fine. But um, if you do, uh, watch this because it's really going to take the scriptures now. And it's going to let those scriptures speak to you rather than me just bringing these current events and and what other people are saying. I think that the scripture is important. And I think that with this background, that this is going to have even more meaning when you compare what was going on in Jeremiah's day to what we are living out right now. The question is, how to know truth? How do you know truth? How can you discern it? Because there are so many churches out there, so many different doctrines, so many different people telling you you should do this, you should do that, this is okay, this is not okay. How do we know? And if we have let the Bible and its authority slide out of the way in our society, there is no way to know. Is it because a majority of the people agree? Because your friends think that it's okay? Because your pastor says it's all right? We need the Word of God because the Word of God is a guide. And even most importantly, how do we even know what the Gospel is? Because do you know that we can go to a lot of churches and there's a lot of self-help, but we'll never hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ. We never really have the complete solution because the Word isn't there. And so as we look at Jeremiah chapter 27 here, starting at verse 1, you're going to see that there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end can bring death. That's what Proverbs tells us. And here we see a historical example of that very thing, that there's a way that seems right, but the end is death. It seems right to a man, but it's not right according to the Word of God. It says this, early in the reign of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord. This is what the Lord said to me. Make a yoke out of straps and crossbars and put it on your neck. Then send word to the kings of Edom, Moab, Amnon, Tyre, Sidon, through the envoys who have come to Jerusalem to Zedekiah, king of Judah. Give them a message for their master and say, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Now, I want you to understand the background of what's going on here. Right now, we have Jerusalem is being surrounded by the armies of Babylon, a world power, an enemy of Israel, has been for some time. Already, we see that the kingdom of Israel... The the northern tribes have already been captured by Assyria. They've been taken and assimilated into the Assyrian cultures. And God has been gracious to the king the southern tribes of Judah, and he has allowed them to survive a little longer because there were eight kings out of the 20 of them that actually followed God. So not very many. You might say much like what's in the United States Not many of our leaders seem to be following God today. Well, finally, God did get fed up with enough. His his, uh, patience had run out, and he was going to allow the Babylonians to come and conquer Jerusalem. But not just Jerusalem. You can even see all these other countries. Moab, Amnon, Tyre, Sidon. This is a world power. It's coming. This is a picture of judgment. No one is exempt here. Well, it goes on here in verse 6. Now I will give all your countries into the hands of my servant Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I will make even the wild animals subject to him. All nations will serve him. You see, God can use a donkey to speak to Balaam, right? He can use Nebuchadnezzar, An ungodly man at this point, an enemy of Israel, to do his bidding, to do his will. And so I want you to understand that as well. God is not out of control in this country. God is using even the most ungodly of leaders for his purposes today. Keep that in mind as we go. In verse 8, it continues, "...if however any nation or kingdom will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, or bow its neck under his yoke, I will punish that nation with the sword, famine, and plague," declares the Lord, "...until I destroy it by his hand." So, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your interpreters of dreams, your mediums, or your sorcerers, who tell you you will not serve the king of Babylon." Imagine for a moment that somebody comes and says that you are now going to be captured and you are to serve your your rival enemy, I mean, your arch nemesis. That's what Jeremiah is coming to tell these people. Your enemy is coming, he is going to conquer you, and you must serve him. That's not going to sit well with you, is it? Nor does it sit well with the people here of Israel. It goes on and it says, in the fifth month of that same year, the fourth year, early in the reign of Zedekiah, we're in chapter 28, verse 1 here, the prophet Hananiah, son of Azur, who was from Gibeon, said to me in the house of the Lord, in the presence of the priests and all the people. So Jeremiah has gone and he has given this word to the people, you are going to be conquered, it's not a good thing, But just do this, obey God, serve those that conquer you. Now there's this another prophet that comes along. Not just any, you know, just volunteer off of the street, a prophet of God. Somebody who has been known as a prophet of God, somebody who has spoken God's word in the past, somebody who is a a leader in the church, you might say, is coming and he's going to say something different here. But before I tell you what he says, I want you to kind of just put yourself in this position for a moment. He's coming, and notice that he is in the house of God. It's a big church meeting. They're in the, in the temple. They're in the synagogue right now. They are meeting together with not just you know, people off of the street again, but it says here, in the presence of the priests the other church leaders. We're having like a church conference here. Pastors from all around are coming to sit here with you to hear this man of God, this prophet, this elevated man speak. And yes, the people are there too. So you can imagine, because of the situation that's going on here, Babylon is coming, everybody's tense, the the nerves are, are there, and they have got to be sitting on the edge of their seat just saying, What is this prophet going to tell us? What's he going to tell us? So just imagine the mood that's going on here for a moment. okay? Because this is a very important event going on. Now, in verse 2 he says this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. I will break the yoke of the king of Babylon. Within two years I will bring back to this place all the articles of the Lord's house that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, removed from here and took to Babylon. little more background here. You see, Nebuchadnezzar has already been here, and he has taken back people like Daniel, Mishael, uh, you know, know, uh, Meshach, Abednego, all these guys. The the higher, kind of more intelligent, higher up people, he took them back already. So a lot of the people who are now sitting in this room listening to Hananiah have loved ones who have been taken captive. They're gone. You know what message they would like to hear, I'm sure, right? Exactly what Hananiah is telling them. Within two years, we're going to break this yoke off. Everything's going to be okay. Just just two years. That's going to give these people hope. They're going to be excited. Yes, I'm going to see my boy again. I'm going to see my cousin. I'm going to see my friend. They're coming back. But the problem is, is wait a minute. That's not what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah said, stop, you're going to serve these people, and you're going to serve them for a long time. As a matter of fact, earlier he said, it's going to be 70 years that you're going to serve these people. But now you've got this prophet of God coming and saying, no, only two years. How do you know? How do you know when you have two prophets coming and saying two different messages? Do you think maybe the churches might be there today? I'll tell you what, I look at the church or or the state of Christianity today and I see God's word saying one thing and I see a lot of pastors, godly men, saying something completely different. I go around this country and I see churches who no longer stand on the message of Genesis anymore. They don't believe in creation, a young earth that, you know, dinosaurs lived with people. No, this earth is millions of years old. Science has told us that. Because, you see, the Bible's not an authority anymore. Now, I'm not going to get into that. I think most of you have heard me speak before, and you know that I'm going to tell you the earth is not millions of years old. Dinosaurs did live with people, and there's lots of science to show that. But most importantly, the Bible tells us this. But we're not going to get into answer those questions today. What I want you to see is that sometimes we're going to be facing situations in the church and it's going to require discernment. It's going to require knowing how to discern what truth truly is. Last time I was here, I kind of brought up Isaac, and I'm just going to bring that up again because it's very applicable. Do you remember when Isaac was going blind? He had two sons, right? Jacob and Esau. And Jacob and Esau, they kind of quarreled, and Jacob was going to steal Esau's blessing. So Jacob disguises himself as Esau to come into his father. And his father is fooled by virtually everything except for one thing: the voice of Isaac. Now by the way, Isaac or, uh, Jacob, I mean, Jacob is also a Christ figure as well. So Isaac is fooled by everything. the, the hands, the smell. he can smell Esau because Jacob is wearing Esau's clothing. He's fooled by virtually everything except for the one thing that bothers Isaac is the voice. He says, the voice is that of my son Jacob, but you smell like Esau. Your food tastes like the food of of Esau. Okay, Your skin feels like the skin of Esau. In other words, every sense, every emotion, because by the way, Jacob really wanted to bless, or Isaac, Isaac truly wanted to bless his son, Esau. And so his emotions were also involved here. What he wanted to hear, what he wanted to do. But everything failed him. All of his senses failed, except for the word that he heard. The voice Of his son Jacob. Guys, that's what I'm here to tell you today. Your senses, your emotions are gonna fail you because there's a lot of people out there trying to give you a message that you want to hear. They're going to tell you exactly what your heart wants, it's gonna sound nice, it's gonna feel nice. But the only way to keep from being deceived is to know the voice of God, to know His Word. It's sad to say, most people in the church today do not know the Word of God. You you maybe have seen things on the internet. You can say, you know, Shakespeare or God. God helps those who help themselves. How many people think that's in the Scriptures? Okay, But it's not. Okay, things like that, we don't know God's word. And if you don't know it, I can promise you, you will be deceived. Let's see what happens here in Jeremiah. We go to verse 5 of chapter 28. Then the prophet Jeremiah replied to the prophet Hananiah before the priests and all the people who were standing in the house of the Lord. He said, Amen. Amen. May the Lord do so. May the Lord fulfill the words you have prophesied by bringing the articles of the Lord's house and all the exiles back to this place from Babylon. And you might be saying, wait, wait, wait wait a minute, Jeremiah, what are you saying here? You're agreeing with him? No. Nevertheless. What he's saying is, yes, this is what I wish would happen too. I could wish that all of our friends and family will be brought back in two years, that we are not going to lose this temple, but... Nevertheless, I know the word of God. He goes on and he says this, Nevertheless, listen to what I have to say in your hearing and in the hearing of all the people. From early times, the prophets who preceded you and me have prophesied war, disaster, and plague against many countries and great kingdoms. But the prophet who prophesies peace will be recognized as one truly sent by the Lord only if his word or prediction comes true. Okay, Jeremiah is not going to allow his emotions to take over. He's taking them back to the word of God. Nevertheless, yes, there have been people who have prophesied all these things in the past. Nevertheless, any prophet who prophesies peace, here's the only way you're going to know. Does it come true? And he goes on. Verse 10, then the prophet Hananiah took the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah and he broke it. And he said before all the people, this is what the Lord says, in the same way I will break the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, off the neck of all the nations within two years. At this, the prophet Jeremiah went kicking and screaming. No, he just went on his way. You know, the Bible warns us, warn a divisive person once. Okay, warn him a second time and then just you're done. This is what Jeremiah practices here as well. He's not going to go, he gave the word and the people will hear it or they will reject it. But I, in perfect prophet form, I mean again, one of those things that the people, oh, this is definitely of God. You know, because it's not the first time we've seen things like this. You know, we see Elijah has the king shoot these arrows. A sign of what's going to happen. We see Paul in uh, in the New Testament, Agabus binds him. He says, "In the same way, you are going to go to Jerusalem and be bound up." Right? We see prophets of God doing these kinds of things, and so now Hananiah has taken this yoke off of Jeremiah's neck, breaking it, and saying, "Oh, you know, this has got to be of God. It's nice and you know, creative and, and symbolic." Well. Jeremiah 17 also says this, the heart is deceitful and wicked beyond cure. Who can understand it? Tell you what, guys, just because you want to hear a message, homosexuality, I can't tell you how many Christians today are telling me it's okay for people to practice homosexuality. You know why? Because their heart wants to say it's okay. You know why? Because they have a loved one, a friend, a family member, someone that they know who is disobeying God's word. And because of that, they want to believe it so bad. I have a brother who's a practicing homosexual. I would love to be able to say, oh, it's okay to continue in your lifestyle as long as you love God. I can't do that, though, because it's not true. And if I love him, I'm going to give him the truth in love. But I'm going to give him the truth You see, there are so many people today, because we have this seeker-sensitive type of thing going on, even though the seeker-sensitive movement, they say, has kind of died out, we are left with the rubble of it. We're left in in all these things that have crept into the church, to where messages now in churches are being given, to basically just, well, it's a self-help book. Do you want to be blessed in your life? Do you want this blessing? Well, then do this. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to see the power of God? Do you, 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 do you, 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 you? Right? I got news for you guys. It's not about you. It's about Him. You see, He's the one we're here to praise and to give glory and honor to. Not you. You want to be healed? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that God doesn't heal and God doesn't bless. He does, and He does want to do that for you. But guess what? It's His will be done, not yours. Always has been. You know, this is the great, when when Jesus was being tempted by the devil, in Matthew chapter 4, we see one of the temptations is, is, is basically to, to get, uh, to get Jesus to to go to himself. And one of the things is the, the sin of pride. He takes him up to the pinnacle of the temple, the devil does, and he says to Jesus, he says, If you are the Son of God, jump, for it is written, he even takes him to the Word, it is written that the angels will guard you to keep you from dashing your foot against the stone. But you see, the devil left out some words there. He misquoted Scripture, and there's a lot of that going on in churches today, but if you don't know the Scriptures, you won't know that when it happens from the pulpits. He says, it is written, the angels will protect you in all your ways. He left that part out. You see, I think that's what's happening in the churches today, too, is people are coming, and, and we're saying, oh, you want to be blessed? You know, Go ahead, you will be healed. I command that you're going to be healed in the name of Jesus, and blah, 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 you know, and we're like, oh, yes, 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 yes. Never is it if it's God's will. Maybe God wants you to be sick. Because maybe He's going to bring glory to Himself through your sickness. I don't know. Maybe He wants you to be healed. My point is, is we don't know. We leave that up to Him. We pray for it. We believe in it. But we leave it up to Him. You see, our heart, as I said, is deceitful. And just because we want the good news doesn't mean it's what's best for us. Jeremiah continues here in verse 12. He says, After the prophet Hananiah had broken the yoke off the neck of the prophet Jeremiah... The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Go and tell Hananiah, go back. (laughs) You tell him this, this is what the Lord says. You have broken a wooden yoke, but in its place you will get a yoke of iron. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. I will put an iron yoke on the necks of all these nations to make them serve Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Then the prophet Jeremiah said to Hananiah, the prophet, listen Hananiah. The Lord has not sent you. Yet you have persuaded this nation to trust in lies. I got to be honest guys, I'm getting frustrated, frustrated with churches and people, pastors who I can say the Lord has not sent them. And they are persuading people to believe in all kinds of lies. Lies that have twisted the gospel. As Galatians warns, if anyone comes to you and gives another gospel other than the one that I have preached, let him be condemned. There, there are so many people in the churches who believe that somehow they can earn their way to heaven, that somehow they can be good enough. And as I evangelize, I hear it all the time. I hear people saying, well, I'm a pretty good you know, if God, If you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? Well, I'd go to heaven. Why? Well, I'm a pretty good person. I pray. I go to church. That's not going to get you. I'll tell you what, just because you're sitting here today doesn't mean that you're a believer, that you're a Christian, or that you're going to heaven. Okay? The true gospel is by grace that we have been saved, not of works. Well, he goes on here. I lost my place. Let me get it back. Verse sixteen. Therefore, this is what the Lord says: I am about to remove you from the face of the earth. This very year, you are going to die because you have preached rebellion against the Lord. By the way, how do we preach rebellion against the Lord? What is the Lord? It's the Word of God. All you have to do is say, oh, "You don't. That, that's you don't worry about that. That part, you know, that's that was for them, not for us." You preach rebellion against the Lord of God when you start picking and choosing which parts of the Bible are okay and which parts aren't. That's exactly what Hananiah was saying. Hananiah was a priest. I'm sure he preached great messages from time to time. I'm sure you know he he gave God's word at times, but then he's saying, ah, but this word, uh uh-uh, that's not right. In the seventh month of that same year, Hananiah, the prophet, died. You know, there is a common denominator of false prophets. Just like Hananiah, just like what I was saying here, and that is this they will always turn you away from God's commands. Always. Always will turn you away from God's commands. But remember, even Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what you want to do. No? If you love me, you will do what. What I say. Proverbs 28, verse 9. If anyone turns a deaf ear to God's law, even his prayers are detestable to him. When we would do street ministry, I had a lady come up one time and we were outside of a bar witnessing. And uh, she came up claiming to be a homosexual and practicing all ungodliness. And uh, I said... You know, you go to church. He goes, well, I'm, I, I'm saved. I, I, I pray at night, and I said, well, God hates your prayers. And she goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you just told me you, you could care less about homosexuality, that you know you were practicing bisexualism yourself, so you don't care about the commands of God, right? God is just good. You love him, and God is good, and He forgives everybody. But yet you don't care about the commands of God. But yet you're praying to Him. And I opened up to Proverbs 28, verse 9. I turned it around, put my finger on that verse. I said, please read this out loud. She read, if anyone turns a deaf ear to God's law, even his prayers are detestable. For the first time, she got really, well, she sobered right up, and she was like, Because all she's been told is this. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. I got news for you guys. There is another part of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's obedience. Not that you obey, therefore you have the gospel. It's when you have the gospel, you therefore obey. Faith without works, it's dead. Okay, I'm not trying to say that you have to go measure to find out if you're saved or not by measuring your works. What I'm saying is this, by nature, by the very nature of being saved, you're going to want to do good. I was talking with somebody here earlier this week. You know, I obey God much more now in my life than I ever did because I used to do it under the law. It was, thou shalt and thou shalt not. Oh, to be a good Christian I better not do this. Okay, and not only did that just beat me up and drive me to insanity because I could never keep God's commandments, it, it it was a lie. Now, I don't worry about the commandments of God because I'm not under the condemnation of it, and now I obey not because I was told not to do something or told to do something. I just do it almost like it's an instinct because it's who I am. God has changed me. Oh, I sure mess up from time to time quite a bit. My wife is here now. She'd probably tell you a lot. But the point is, is there's a connection, a marriage between the law and the gospel, a marriage that says, if you love me, you will. You will do. Not that I have to. I'm just going to. I'll make mistakes. You see, basically, the church is saying we're all under grace, we're all under grace. But they've forgotten, as so many false prophets have done. They give you what you want to hear, and I've had so many people tell me that. People will say, well, you know, I go to this church because they don't tell me what, you know... uh, I don't like going and feeling bad about myself, I like going away feeling good about myself when I'm done. That's what a false prophet does. He gives you what you want to hear, but he'll never tell you what you don't want to hear. He's never going to challenge you with his word. And he's going to say, don't worry about the commands of God. Ezekiel 13.10 says, Because they lead my people astray, saying, Peace, when there is no peace. And because when a flimsy wall is built, they cover it with whitewash. Guys, i got news for you. False prophets, they don't come with name tags. Okay? They don't walk into your door. They don't stand up behind the pulpit and look like the devil. They look like angels of light. You see, Judas, when he was in the church, do you know even the disciples couldn't recognize him? They didn't even know. When he says one of you are going to betray me, they're all like, is it me? Is it me? They, they they weren't all sitting, I bet it's him. You see guys, this is what a false prophet is like and this is why we need to know truth. How do you determine? You go to the word. 2 Corinthians 11 says, For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it easily enough. The enemy is cloaked with a message of God's mercy. That's what Hananiah, that prophet, did. It was a message cloaked with God's mercy. Don't worry, it's all going to be okay. I got news for you guys, it's not going to be okay in this country. It is not going to be okay unless the church repents and we get down on our knees and we start praying and saying, Lord, forgive us. Because we as a country have abandoned God. We're not standing on His word. We're not standing up for truth. We're just letting it not only go in our world but into our churches as well. I'm here to tell you, it's not going to be okay. At least as a country, I'm okay. Because no matter what happens, even when the enemy comes and they conquer and they make us submit to whatever, you know what, I'm okay. You know why? Because just as God said he was going to be with those people, he says, listen, judgment's coming, but I'm going to be with you. I'll be with you. Oh, you may not have your BMW anymore. You may not have that same you know, uh, five-bedroom home, but you're going to be okay. You're going to escape with your life. I don't know what's going to happen in this country. I'm not giving some prophecy up here. What I'm saying is this. God tells us what's going to happen when a country uh, walks away from His commands and disobeys, and we're there. But it will be okay, because what matters isn't what kind of car I drive or what kind of home I have, but it's whether I know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I don't need to fear Him who can even kill my body, but can't kill my soul. And that's the message that we need to be preaching today. Not, oh, do you want to be blessed? Serve God, and you're going to get a picket fence. The message we need to preach is this. Jesus Christ came and he died on that cross to take away the sins that we all have done. And it would not be okay, and it will not be okay for you if you do not know Jesus. But you see, because I know Jesus, he has taken my sins away. As far as the east is from the west, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. That is my hope today for America, is that we would repent of our sins, know that we need it, and know that what matters is eternity, not what's here. Not this world, not the pleasures of life, not my home, but this. Is it you know philippians you know the man should not boast of his rich man the rich man should not boast of his riches the wise man not boast of his wisdom but he who boasts should boast in this that he knows and understands me that i am the lord who exercises kindness righteousness and justice in the land that's what's important Don't let these seeker-sensitive messages out there tell you that it's all okay and you just keep living the life the way you need to. No, we need to repent. And we need to take this message seriously so that we will do like what Rick was saying. Go plant churches. That we're going to go share this gospel with people because, guys, there's an urgency. An urgency to tell people the word of God, the truth, not just continue to to sing them a lullaby to make them go to sleep and say it's okay. We need to tell them the truth, even if it means standing up in our meetings in front of everybody. Galatians 1.10 says this, if I should yet seek to please Christ or seek men, I should not be a servant of Christ Jesus. We need to love people enough not to fear what they're going to think of us, but to give them the truth. And the truth is, it's not okay until we repent and know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Then it's okay. Then we can have peace. Then we can understand hope, joy, even in cancer. Joy in losing our home. We can find joy in the death of a loved one because then it's okay. Because my life isn't this life. I'm but a foreigner here. Who hopes for what he yet, yet has, right? Does not yet have, Romans says. If we hope, we hope for what we do not yet have, and we wait for it patiently. We're waiting for the Lord Jesus to come back. That's my home. That's my hope. That's the promise that God has given us. So, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for your word, and I thank you for your hope, the joy, the peace, the righteousness that you and you alone have given us. Father, may we just not put our hope in anything else. When we hear these messages that are just things that go after our heart and our emotions, Lord, may we have a discerning spirit to recognize the fullness of the word of God, that we would recognize uh, that There's more than just your grace. That we are living in a country that has rejected you. We have rejected your word. We have rejected the truth. May we put that truth back on its throne. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.